You're listening to Men in Balance. I'm Jerry Hancock. We're talking now with Frank on the subject of fathers, and welcome, Frank. Well, good to be with you, Jerry. Thank you for being with us. Uh, the reason I wanted to talk to Frank is that uh, we're talking about the subject of fathers and their influence on us as men, and Frank has had a unique relationship with his father and, in fact, has written a poem about uh, his father. So maybe, Frank, if you're comfortable doing that, maybe we start with your just sharing that poem with us, and then let's talk about the whole subject of fathers, and we'll just sort of see where that goes. Sure. I'll be happy to share the poem with you. This was published in the Men's Council Journal in Colorado some number of years ago. Um, and I liked it then, and I like it now. The poem's entitled, My Father. I know my father like he knew his, like we both know George Washington. A good man, they say, and all the evidence bears it out. The pictures, the speeches, and such. A man of integrity and honor and truth. A good provider. All my life he tried to give me the perfect gift, and there were some fine ones too. When I wanted with time, entree to his heart and mind, to touch his soul. Now he's old and so am I, and all I can give him is time, and all he can give me is gifts. Wow, that's pretty powerful. That was 1991, right? That was 1991. So that was written in 1991, and your father died when? My father died in 2005, and I was really blessed to have 14 more years in which the relationship could deepen and broaden, and we could know each other in better and different ways. Yeah, so you would say the relationship did improve over those 14 years? Oh, I would say the relationship was good all along. It was just that I think, I don't know if this is true for all men, but I was born with a deep and abiding hunger to know and to be known. And I never felt like I knew my father like I wish I had known him, mm -hmm. nor did I ever feel like he knew me like I wish I had been known by him. So what do you think was in the way of that? Um, well, for one thing, temperamentally, we're pretty different people. He was um, steady and constant and not prone to wild swings of emotion, and I am pretty mercurial. Um, I can go from despair to complete euphoria in about 30 seconds. In some environments, that's called bipolar mood disorder, but I just think it's normal. <laughs> and it's fun, right? Well, the top part of it's fun, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the euphoria is lots of fun. The abject despair, not so much. Yeah, really. Um, so what was daily life like with him, uh, maybe at its best and at its worst, as you were, as you were growing up? Um, at it, my best times with my father were when we were doing things together. And I, I read in some men's book, perhaps it was Fire in the Belly, perhaps it was somewhere else, that and somebody commented, even a mean man can be nice, can be kind to a young person when they're teaching them how to do something. Now, my father was not a mean man. But when we did things together, like when he would participate in Boy Scouting with me, or as adults when we would have raised money for a uh, capital campaign in which we both had an interest. Those things were fun. We met each other, not as equals perhaps, but as peers. And we did things alongside each other, and it was, it was great fun, and we succeeded together. That was fun. Um, I guess the, the part that was less fun, or that it was least more um, 
lonely was I was born with, or maybe I was not born with, but I somehow developed a, a pretty broad and deep um, streak of anger and rage. I think probably having more to do with my mother relationship. And my father was always puzzled by both my mother and me. He said to me one time, I just do not understand why you and your mother can't get along. Hmm. And and I said to him, and why you won't spend time with her? And I said, well, Daddy, I think of it like this. If you have a rattlesnake in a cage in the living room, the first time that snake bites you, it's the snake's fault. Every subsequent time you stick your hand in there and get bitten, it's your own fault. And I'm not sticking my hand in there anymore. So in temperament, are you more like your mom then than your dad? Um, far more like my mother. Yeah. It was probably an undiagnosed depressive and may well have touches of bipolar mood disorder, too. Mm-hmm. On a day-to-day basis, though, would you have said he was readily available to you for the most part or uh, distant, or how, how would you gauge that? I would say that he was as readily available as a um, sensing-thinking man can be to an intuitive-feeling boy. Um, and I would also say I was raised in the 50s, and um, gender roles were much more clearly defined then. My father spent a lot of time in the JCs. He spent a lot of time in his business. Um, and so the rearing of children and the taking care of the household was left pretty much to my mother. And as I said years later to a therapist I was working with, a woman cannot teach a boy to be a man. So do you feel like there were specific things you would have wanted to learn from him, but he was absent for those? Um, that's a really good question. I think most of the things that I perhaps would have wanted to learn from my father, I was able to learn from other male surrogates. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boy Scout leaders, summer camp people, um, Football coaches, maybe to a lesser extent, they teach you lots of lessons, but not many of them are useful in life. But um, I think that's why it's important for all boys and boys who have become men to have gathered around them a circle of support, not just one person. I've heard a lot of guys talk about uh, being intimidated by their father when they were young, especially if he was a fairly demanding personality. would you describe your relationship that way, or was it a pretty casual relationship? Um, I would not. I would not describe him as demanding. In fact, I would describe him as gracious. Oh, really? Okay. Um, he was the single best buyer of presents I have ever known in my life. Okay. He, could, he bought all the presents for our family. At Christmas, we did not realize how many presents he bought until he died, and my mother was completely overwhelmed because he was the shopper. Yeah. Um, and they were always well-chosen, and they were always spot-owned. He expected high-quality work, but he didn't flagellate you about it. Yeah. So, he, was a quiet, he was quiet and steady and had high ethical and moral standards. I, I actually admire him a great deal. I would have longed for a different level of intimacy could I have had it, but I feel no great wound in my father relationship. Mm. So in your poem, you said... What I wanted was time, an entree to his heart and mind. So I gather that you would have liked more time with him and that you 
never felt like you knew him, at least in, in the early days. I, actually, I never really felt like I understood how his mind worked. I loved him um, towards the end of, well, it wasn't really towards the end of his life. Right around the time I wrote that poem, I decided it would be a good idea for us to go to lunch once a month and just have lunch and, and be men together and chew the fat. And so we did that for about six months, and I finally decided I was making us both miserable. And there was really no sense doing that. I, I looked at and saw the world in a real different way than he did, and he got to be who he was, and I got to be who I was. <laughs> so so your goal, uh, if you could have described it then, was what? To get you both closer together? My, my goal was to get to know him in a different way. I'll give you an illustrative anecdote, because I think this, I think this shines a light on the both of us. We were at one of these meals together, and my father had been very successful in the work world after, I think, probably not expecting to be all that. You know, he, he expected to live in a small town and run small town businesses and retire as his father and grandfather had done before him and die in the same small town he grew up in. And instead, he sold a small business to a larger business, which ultimately asked him to become part of the senior management team. So he had been very successful, and I knew he knew many things that would be useful to me. So I, I asked him during the course of this lunch, what is one thing you know to be irrefutably true? And I don't know what I expected, but I think I expected something like you might, you know, get from some shaman or some wise man who thought deeply about life and would give you some incisive view that you would never have gotten otherwise. And he was, I mean, he was playing with me. It wasn't like he didn't take it seriously. He thought for a long time and he said to me, I'll tell you what, Frank, a thief will always steal again. And I think that's probably true. I mean, in his hiring experience, in his life experience, I think he had seen that if somebody will steal from you once, they will steal from you again, and there's significant risk and trust in them. Somehow that felt sort of what I hoped I would get. Hmm. And what do you think you wanted? You wanted a sort of life lesson? The secret to life, yeah. son, is X. Yeah, yeah. Or, in my experience, the deepest joy in life is found in Y. Mm. Now, in honesty, Jerry, and I, I confess this as my own life posture, I, many people in my family tell me I think too much. You know, you think too, think too deeply. You're just too concerned about these deep meanings in life. Just give it up and get back to work, which yeah. is a normal a normal exhortation to men in our society and especially my family but I, I think I really do I want to know what life means and he I think was more interested in knowing how to do life I think it was just two different approaches he's not wrong I'm not wrong but we were so dissimilar from each other we had a hard time finding places of connection yeah it's that family my father my father loved family he, he was all about tribe he was much more a Presbyterian and a Scotsman and a McNair than he was a citizen of North Carolina or a U.S. citizen. And I'm much more, I'm much more a Christian than I am a Presbyterian. I'm much more interested in my family of choice than my family of birth. So mm. we, we were pretty different people in that regard. Yeah. So he was very successful in business. Did he... Uh pressure you to take a similar route or did he give you a lot of no. freedom no 
he gave he he put almost no pressure on me or no overt pressure you know it's, it's hard to measure the the pressure that you picked up sort of by osmosis but there was no overt pressure and so I guess the other side of that question is did what about the spiritual side of your relationship uh, with him did was he a spiritual man did he give you what is now your spiritual roots or how did you get there his mother gave me my spiritual roots my, my uh, paternal grandmother was a deeply spiritual person and loved God and could articulate it easily my father was a faithful Christian um, and was devoted to the church both by service and by giving but he did not talk about it hmm. and I think he was sometimes puzzled that he wound up with two children who liked to pray out loud. Yeah. So you, did you I ever? I think he was not only puzzled. <laughs> I think it was beyond puzzled. I think he was mystified. Yeah. Did you ever see him pray aloud? Uh, only in terms of asking the blessing at meals. Okay. So I, I think he had a deep faith in God. I think it just took a very different shape. Yeah. And, and he was certainly benevolent, as, as witnessed by his. Uh, you know, donations to various causes and so forth, and his time, I suppose. Yeah, uh, particularly, I mean, he was, that, that's another place we differed. He, he was on 15 or 20 boards, usually six or eight at a time. And I'd rather be beat with a tire tool in the kidney <laughs> than serve on a board. Uh, so that's just not my gift. I like to, I think I probably live at a lower level than he does. Yeah. I, I mean, in an organization. He was, he liked to set strategy and do, and I like to come alongside people and encourage. So, based on what you uh, observe from him growing up and what you've read and learned and what therapy you've done and all this, how would you describe what you would like to see for other men in a father? In other words, what, what's the sort of model father that you think men crave for? Oh, man, that's a really great question, Jerry. Um, I have to say that I think fathers like garments are not one size fits all. So I would like to see um, fathers who would know the children as the children are and who would reveal to the children the father as the father truly is. That is, people who would be transparent and honest with, with who they are. Mm. Um, I would like to see and often do see in my in my work in my church, men who take seriously their role as fathers and try very hard to model uh, faithful service and devotion to God and also model appropriate giving and um, shared roles with the wife and raising the children. Um, and that, that's a, because I am not a father, which I think really helps inform how people answer this question. I maybe have a harder time answering it than some people would. Yeah. Well, but you do have a number of children you are a godfather to, and uh, and you've had a number of relationships with other children, right? Well, I've had a, I actually do not have a number of children to whom I've been a godfather, but I do have a, a number of children, particularly young men, but but women as well. I've come alongside and sort of mentored them through the job search process or the right. job change process, that sort of stuff. So. In, in that regard, I would encourage fathers to listen to their children and take them appropriately as independent human beings, not as an extension of self. Mm -hmm. um, my father did that 
better than I knew at the time. He really was pretty good at letting you be who you were. And um, and just one more question on that. Uh, as far as the relationship of the father to his wife, your mother, uh, not to get personal in your situation, but what what would you say is the ideal there? Um, I think the ideal there is, again, one size doesn't fit all. So the ideal is really whatever works for the man and his wife and doesn't damage the children. But in general, I would say people who are um, have a shared sense of duty to the children um, and a willingness to share parenting and a willingness to be um, transparent and appropriately self-disclosing to the children about their fears and doubts and joys and exultations. Um, somebody, a parent who is, if you will, real mm-hmm. without being... Um, inappropriately disclosing or an emotional exhibitionist in front of a child, which I think can be damaging. Of course, you realize we've just laid out quite a hefty list of qualifications for the job, huh? Uh, Yes. And, uh, of course, we would certainly all hope to aspire to that, but that would be very difficult indeed, would it not? Well, uh, any other uh, closing comments you'd like to say about your relationship with your father and how you might have done it differently if you had, for example, had children of your own? Um, I think what I'd like to say about my father is really not an answer to that question so much as when he died, one of the ministers at the church where I was attending called me up and said, I've just heard your daddy died and I just wanted to tell you how sorry I I am. He was a good man and I know you'll miss him. Mm. And that minister turned out to be right in both counts. Yeah. He was a good man, and I miss him. Yeah, really. Uh, of course, my dad died a long time ago when I was just a child, but I, I don't think there's a day that goes by for anyone who's lost their father that they don't uh, think of him pretty much every day. Well, Frank, I thanks. And I, and I miss him. Yeah, I'm sure. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate your being with us and being so candid and talking about your father. And that's, of course, a very important part of all of our development. Well, I appreciate the time, Jerry, and um, and I'm just so excited about the work Men and Balance is doing. And this is a unsolicited testimonial, but I hope if you have the chance to do it, those of you who are listening, you will help support Men and Balance financially. Oh, bless your heart. Thanks for saying that. Once again, Frank, thanks for being with us. You're welcome. I'm Jerry Hancock for Men and Balance.